Should I invest profits generated back into the company or invest them in real estate? Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So Tony B asked me, Brian, how much of the profit our company generates should be reinvested back into the company and how much should we uh, be investing in other things like real estate? And Shelly C asked a very similar question. What are the first steps to begin investing in real estate? By the way, you can shoot me your questions by going to uh, my business Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash service industry success. Uh, and you can just shoot me a DM there and ask whatever questions you have. But back to the questions that Tony and Shelly asked um, about how much money should be reinvested and how much money should we set aside for things like real estate investing. Um, I have an answer for that. There's, It's kind of a, a multifaceted answer. So most business owners, the first foray into real estate investing is going to be buying the building your business resides in or is housed in. So I'm going to focus on just that in this episode. Um, you know, when you get into, when you've done that, then, you know, getting into, you know, buying uh, rental houses or apartment complexes or um, Airbnb type things, like once you've done your building, a lot of the, the, the unknown pieces kind of fall into place and you wouldn't need a lot of explanation for some of the things we're going to talk about. So um, I'm just going to talk about taking that first step, which for most folks, again, is buying the building that their business is in. So to really develop a strategy for investing in real estate, here's some things I would suggest. First is, um, like many things that I tell folks when they ask me, how should I plan for this? One of the first things you've got to have a good handle on is understanding what your company is ultimately going to look like. And I'll talk a little bit about that more later, but um, it's pretty self-explanatory. What's your business going to look like in 10 years, 20 years, 15 years, when you retire, whatever time frame you put on it, what's it going to look like? How many employees are you going to have? What's the structure going to look like? Um, So that's the first thing. The second thing I'd recommend is getting familiar with the book Profit First. If you have not read Profit First, um, I would definitely recommend reading that. That's going to be helpful for this uh, discussion. Um, The third thing is identifying what your personal tax liability is and developing your personal tax payment strategy. That's a critical piece of this um, real estate thing. You'll see how in just a couple minutes. Um, And then identifying your need and strategy for creating a rainy day fund that meets your needs. That's the fourth thing. And then the fifth thing is um, refining your plan with your CPA and banker. So let's start from the top there. Uh, The first thing I mentioned was develop an understanding of what your company is ultimately going to look like. So this is probably going to be the hardest part. Um, This is probably the hardest part for uh, one of the harder questions people have to ask uh, themselves about anything having to do with their business. 
unfortunately, this is one of the things that's, that's difficult. So people kind of tend to avoid it. Um, someday I'm going to write a book called like the, the top 10 questions to answer to solve all your business ownership problems. And this would be one of them. It's extremely difficult to have any kind of um, accurate planning or to, to develop ideas for how you're going to accomplish this or that. If you can't at, for at least say in 10 years, 20 years, 15 years, 30 years, whatever, my business is going to look like this. And I literally mean drawing out an organizational chart. I literally mean defining how much revenue and how much profit, how many departments you're going to have. I literally mean all that. And and one of the things that I can help you with, um, for instance, if you were to buy my course or um, whatever, there's a methodology I can walk you through to do that. So, but, but you may not need that. So um, the first thing is you got to figure out what your company going to look like. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, you don't want to buy a building too early or too late in your company's growth. If you have six employees right now and you're going to have 50 someday, you don't want to buy a building in the next couple of years. Um, one, you're going to make a lot more money probably by adding 20 of those, you know, 44 more employees you're going to add over the next few years than you would by buying a building. Uh, it would be just a much better ROI and a better return on your money to reinvest more into the business now and get your staffing level up where you're, you have, you know, 10 or 15 more revenue producing employees bringing in $300,000 a year. Uh, and you get, you're going to keep 10% of that as profit, let's say, or 20% or whatever your numbers are. Um, that's going to be a lot more profitable than buying a very small building. Second thing is if you have those six employees and you're going to have 50 someday, um, you're going to outgrow that building pretty quickly. And which means you're going to be, um, either becoming a landlord on that small building and then trying to buy a, ne a next size building and then grow out of that one and, and become a landlord on that one and grow out and buy the next one. Um, that all sounds awesome that you're developing this uh, real estate empire. Um, again, though, you're going to be putting a lot of money that you could be reinvesting back in your company into real estate. And at that stage, six employees on the way to 50, it just mathematically, it just doesn't make sense. And, you know, while you could say, well, in 20 years, I'd have five buildings, that may be true, but, um, what's the cost going to be on the profitability size of your own business, uh, your primary business that is. And what's the distraction level? If you're a property manager now for five buildings, um, that's uh, that's a job. <laughs> so um, having a handle on what your building is going to or what your business is going to look like in ten or fifteen or twenty years, and where you're at relative to that, is an important component of this. Um, I would recommend not trying to buy your building until you're you know maybe seventy five percent of the way to your ultimate uh, goal, maybe fifty percent, whatever. Um, you want to buy a building that you're not going to outgrow in in two years. And most, um, most of the time, you're going to underestimate how much you're going to grow. Uh, and you're going to buy a building that's already going to be too small in some cases. So um, I would just recommend uh, waiting until it makes mathematical sense to buy the property versus putting money back in your company and buying vehicles or buying equipment and so you can have employees, which are going to bring more money to the table. So that's the first thing to consider um, what's company going to look like? What were you at relative to that? And is your money better spent reinvesting in the company in, in assets for employees, or is it better to, to do with the, with the building? Um, again, for me, I would rather reinvest in the company more earlier and get as quickly as possible to, you know, 75% of what my ultimate goal is, and then start looking at, um, the, the building stuff. So the next thing is, um, Get familiar with the book Profit First. If you haven't read that book, um, you just you have to read it ASAP. 
Um, this is probably the easiest thing on this entire list of five things. Um, but the, if you haven't read the book, the gist is you're going to pay yourself first. What most business owners do is they pay all their expenses. They pay their rent, their labor, their materials, uh, insurance, whatever. And then whatever's left is quote unquote profit. And profit first kind of flips that entire thing on its head and says, no, pay yourself first. It gives you some formulas and some ideas on how to do that based on your revenue, based on the size of your company. Pay yourself first. Let's say you're going to take 10%. You pay yourself 10% first, and then whatever's left, you have to figure out how to work within. That's kind of the idea of the book, and I think it's a great one. The second piece of this, of the Profit First model, is setting up bank accounts which serve as places to hold money with very specific purposes. So, for example, just by dumb luck, this is before I read the book Profit First, when we started our company, one of the things I did not want to do is commingle sales tax dollars collected with our quote-unquote regular revenue. Um, I didn't want to look at the bank account and see that we had an extra $50,000 a month there and then have a big $50,000 a month expense, even though I would know that that expense was going to happen. I didn't want to look at it that way. I didn't want to treat the government's money as my money. I just didn't want to do that. So again, dumb luck. Not not that I, I had some great idea. It just uh, kind of happened that way where I said, I'm going to set up a savings account and every week if we collect you know $10,000 in sales tax, I'm going to move that $10,000 into this account and it's not our money. We're not going to touch it. And that's kind of the idea with Profit First is you may have seven bank accounts that each have a different purpose. Um, you know, one might be depart, uh, your sales tax, you know, so you can send it to the state or whatever. Um, one might be for your federal, um, in, for your personal federal income tax. You may put it, have a, an account that takes care of that. You'll have accounts that do a variety of things. Um, so that whole notion is kind of uh, critical to things we're going to talk about here next. Um, the first one would be after getting familiar with your, your profit first model and kind of how that works and what your parameters would be and things like that is identifying what your personal tax liability and your tax level strategy are. So um, for those who've been listening for a while, you've heard me talk about meeting with your CPA every month or sorry, excuse me, every May to forecast your tax liability for the next year. What's going to be owed in estimated taxes, probably quarterly, and then what would be the lump sum due next April 15th? Um, by May, you're you know uh, four or five months into the year, uh, you should have a pretty good handle on being able to forecast what your revenue and profit would be. Your your CPA can help you crunch the numbers for, okay, here's what your government requiring uh, estimated taxes are going to be quarterly in June, September, January, and then again in April. And then Based on the profitability we're anticipating, here's how much you're still going to owe on top of that. What you'd want to do then is take the profit first model and say, okay, every week or every month or whatever you decide, I'm going to put X amount of dollars into a account that's going to just house the money for my federal income tax liability that will be due in April. So let's say you're paying $10,000 in estimated quarterly taxes um, and then you've also, you've, you and your CPA have determined you're going to pay an additional $50,000 in a lump sum next year in April. So you meet with them in May, you figure out it's $10,000 a quarter plus $50,000 on top of that in April. So that's $90,000. So you would divide that by how many months are between uh, May and April next year, which would be 10 or 11, depending on what time of the month you did it. And you, let's just say it's 10. You say, okay, I'm going to owe $90,000. That means I need to put $9,000 a month away in this account that does nothing but house the money that's going to go pay my personal, um, um, federal tax liability. Um, 
And then after a couple of years of doing that, you would get a sense for what your quote unquote normal tax burden is going to be each month. Um, you know, of course it's going to be higher. The, the bigger your business is, the more it's going to be, but you'll get a sense for what, what quote unquote normal is for you. The next thing you want to do is identify your need, your, um, goal and your strategy for creating a rainy day fund that meets your needs. So some people just need to have a flat dollar amount to make them feel comfortable. You know, let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars. Hey, I'm going to put a hundred thousand dollars in a, in a checking account or savings account. And that's my rainy day fund. And I'm just going to sit there and hope I never have to touch it. That's fine if that's what works for you. Some people want to have X amount of months of expenses put away. You know, maybe three months of total expenses or six months of total expenses, which would be a pretty lofty goal for most companies. But um, whatever, whatever your methodology is for creating a rainy day fund that works for you, then you'd want to know that. Like, what is my goal for having an amount for when the next recession comes or if there's a catastrophic something, you know, a fire or a flood or, you know, some kind of catastrophic thing or whatever it is. Um, you'd want to know what your strategy and what your need is for that rainy day fund. So then based upon your profit first uh, model that you create, you will um, take your distribution payout plan. You'll develop a, a distribution payout plan, whether it's monthly, quarterly, weekly, whatever. And in the beginning, you're going to have distributions that are going to be broken up into probably four different buckets. One, again, is going to be your personal federal tax liability, your income tax liability. The next one's going to be your rainy day fund. And then the third one's going to be how much I'm going to reinvest back into the company. And then we got to talk about how much the owner's going to make. So owning a business is a stressful thing. It's a risky endeavor. Um, we shouldn't do this for free. So, but you have to look at this and go, okay, if I'm going to pull out, let's say $10,000 a month in, in distributions for profits, how much of that is going to go to my tax liability? How much is going to go to my rainy day fund? How much is going to go to reinvesting back in the company? And how much am I, am I going to take home to buy a boat or go to a concert or, you know, whatever it is that's going to keep me motivated to do this? Um, so each time a distribution is taken, the formula that you create or the percentage of what's, how much is going to go into each bucket or the dollar amount that's going to go into each bucket would be the same. So if you have that $9,000 uh, personal tax liability, that you got to meet every month, you would hopefully be be pulling out more than $10,000 a month in profit because if you're only putting out $10,000 a month in profit and $9,000 is going towards meeting your personal tax liability, that only leaves $1,000. So um, let's hope that it's closer to, let's say, $20,000 a month you'd be pulling out in distributions. And you could say, okay, $9,000 a month is going to go into an account for my personal federal tax liability. And I'm going to put $3,000 a month into my rainy day funds. Now we're at $12,000 and I'm going to reinvest. I'm going to split, you know, 50-50 um, the rest. $4,000 a month is going to go into reinvesting into the company. And the other $4,000 a month I'm going to take home as pay. And that's fine. If that's a strategy you would develop with your $20,000 a month you're taking each month, that's fine. I would really recommend you develop a strategy you stick with each month though. And it could be... Again, just a percentage. You could say, well, I'm going to take X percent. And I'm going to split it four ways. As long as you're meeting the minimum amount to, to pay your taxes, I think that's fine. Or you could say, I'm going to put aside the, the, the amount I need to pay my taxes and split the rest into equal thirds. A uh, third for my rainy day fund, a third for reinvesting in the company, and a third for owner benefit or pay. That's fine. The point is, whatever you develop here, uh, let's stick with it. Let's create a plan that we're going to stick with and stick with that plan every single time, whether you take distributions once a week, once a month, once a quarter, twice a year, once a year, whatever, stick with the formula. Let's not make emotional 
um, last-minute decisions, uh, you know, kind of shooting from the hip. Let's have a strategy here. And then when you get to a point where you're serious about buying a building for your business, then you would probably want to add a bucket to your your distribution um, buckets. And you so you'd want to say, okay, we're going to have tax liability still. We're still going to have a rainy day fund. We're still going to reinvest in the company. But now we're going to have a building investment fund. We're going to put money in for the down payment, uh, things for you know TI, the tenant improvements that need to be hap- that need to happen when you buy the building. Um, other things that may go into it, you may have to pave, you may have to fence, you may have to do whatever. Um, the likelihood you're going to find a building that's just perfect for your business, doesn't require any tenant improvements, doesn't require any outdoor improvements. Um, I hope that works for you. I don't think it's likely to count on that, or it's not uh, healthy to count on that because it's probably not super likely to happen every time. You're going to have to invest in something. You have to reconfigure their offices. You're going to have to add walls, take out walls. It'll need a roof. It'll need a driveway, something. So we just need to add a bucket when we get close, you know, within a few years, to start putting money aside uh, when we take distributions and put and put that money towards the real estate thing. Now, you may also, as that happens, you may be getting close to your rainy day fund where you don't have to add as much of that. Maybe you can taper off on the rainy day fund and put more into your building fund, and that's fine. Um, and then the last thing is once you kind of have that rolling and you get within a, a place where you're within a couple of years of, of buying the actual building, then you're going to want to run through your plan with your CPA and your banker just to make sure you haven't overlooked anything. Uh, and that way you, you still have a couple of years. You have time to adjust if you if, the, if if they're like, hey, you're a little light on the down payment amount that you're thinking. Um, you're, you're thinking a building is going to be available for a price that's not reasonable. You know, maybe you were hoping to only spend six hundred thousand. They're like, no, it's going to cost you one point two uh, to buy a building uh, that you're looking at, or whatever. Uh, they will be able to help you understand that stuff. So, um, those are the things that I would recommend considering when you're talking about: Do I reinvest money back into the business or reinvest money into real estate? Um, again, one of the first things is: Where's the better bang for my buck? If I'm going to have fifty employees and I have thirty-four then yeah, maybe I better start looking at having a building. If I want to have 50 employees, I'm at 12, I probably would be better off adding the, the higher number of employees for right now. Uh, or you got to look, look at how many years is it going to take you to save up the down payment and things like that. You know, if you, if you, um, if you want to do it when you're around you know, 20 employees on your way to 30, but it's going to take you some time, then you might decide you have to start saving earlier. So none of these things I'm talking about are set in stone. These are just the, the things I, I would recommend considering as you develop your strategy. So the first thing you got to do, again, this is the most uh, overlooked, most often overlooked. It's, it's one of the more challenging things until you do it. And again, if you need help with it, that's something I can help you walk through. But you got to develop an understanding of what your company is ultimately going to look like, um, whether it's five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, re- at retirement, whatever. Um, and as with any planning you're going to do, This is one of the critical first steps. What is this thing going to look like so I know when to pull the trigger on some of these other things? Um, And overlooking this causes a lot of confusion. Um, One of the examples I use is uh, I would defy any person to walk into a kitchen when they're hungry and prepare a meal without first declaring what they're going to make. It's it's not possible. At some point, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to make lasagna. I'm going to make top ramen. I'm going to make a hamburger. And then you start making the thing. Up until the moment you declare what you're going to make, though, you can't begin cooking anything. You can't just you can't randomly go into a pantry and just start pulling out 
um, you know, pasta and peanut butter and raisins and, you know, flour. And it just doesn't work that way. It's the same thing with building a business. You can try to, to hodgepodge it together as you go. It's much better to, to declare up front what you're going to make. So that's the first step with this. When you're talking about uh, buying a building for your company is when is the right time to buy? Well, that depends on how big of a company you're trying to build and where you're at relative to that. So um, again, first thing, develop an understanding of what your company is ultimately going to look like. Second thing, get familiar with the profit first model. Read the book. You might read it a few times. It's not a hard or lengthy book. You can read it in a weekend. Um, some of the ideas are, are seemingly, uh, counterintuitive. Some of them make perfect sense. You'll, you'll understand that once you kind of get into it, but I really implore you to, to read that book. It's a fantastic, um, way to kind of shift your thinking on how to, how to compartmentalize money. So you understand what money is being set aside for you understand where money is at, where you're at relative to the amounts you need to save. And it, it just, it's very helpful for that. Third thing, identify your personal tax liability and uh, your strategy for paying that. Again, uh, after a few years, you'll kind of get to know what what quote-unquote normal is. Um, meet with your CPA in, in May, forecast, start setting aside, meet with the CPA again in, in November, October, November, somewhere in there. Make sure that things are on pace. Uh, make alterations if you need to. You, you'll have, still have several months to make some changes before April when you meet with them in October or November. Uh, identify your need and strategy for creating a rainy day fund. How much do you need to be to feel safe? Do you want, are you that person that says I, I need 50 grand? Or are you that person that says I need five months of expenses? Um, and then once you get close to within a couple of years of actually pulling the trigger on making a building purchase, then I would say fine tune your plan with your CPA and banker and just make sure there isn't anything you've overlooked. So, uh, that's it for this week. I just want to say thanks again for everyone who's taken a moment to give us a rating and a review and have subscribed and shared this with our fr- your friends. Um, our, our, our number of, of listeners is going crazy right now. That's awesome. Thank you very much for that. I really appreciate it. If you haven't had a time yet, uh, please give us a rating review. Make sure you subscribe. You can also subscribe to our Rumble channel, rumble.com slash service industry success. Uh, make sure you follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash service industry success. And again, if you know a friend who or a colleague who's a business owner in the service industry, please uh, share this podcast with them. We want to help as many folks as possible. And uh, thanks a lot for everything this week. And I'll talk to you all next week. Mm-hmm.